Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews, author interviews and book reviews. Well, today is the last episode for a while. I am taking a six-week break after this. And guess what I'll be doing during those weeks? Yes, reading books and eating biscuits. Reading a selection of books, it's fair to say. I've already been putting things in piles and getting excited. And yes, I have put Christmas books, well, books on my Christmas list. Because I just realised this week, I don't know why I haven't realised up till now, but I will never get to the point when I think, oh yes, yes, I've got enough books. I'm never going to do that. And my husband is going off to Jamaica for a couple of weeks after Christmas. And he doesn't know this, but I have already contacted someone about extending the bookshelves in the lounge while he's away. Hopefully he won't even notice when he's back. That's what I'm hoping, but never mind. But I've got a lot of books to talk to you about today. Now, sadly, one of the authors I was going to interview has come down with the Christmas Lurgy. Poor, poor them. So I've only got one author interview, but have no fear, lots and lots of books to talk to you about. So what I'm going to do is tell you about three Christmas books that I've read, then have the author interview, and then tell you about three other books that I've read recently that are not Christmas books. But I think thought, well, it's time to tell you about them. I've read them recently. Two were brilliant. One wasn't. But I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying that because literally every other person on the planet loves the book. If they finish the book, if they've managed to finish the book, they've loved it. And I didn't. But well, I won't say any more about that right now. So Christmas books, what am I talking to you about? The first one is Murder at Holly House by Denzel Myrick. And Denzel was going to come on and unfortunately is poorly. Get well soon, Denzel. Hope Hope you're feeling better soon. But let me tell you about this one. Here's the blurb. A village of secrets. It's Christmas 1952. Blizzards come to Elderby. A remote village high on the North York moors. Is the dead stranger found lodged up the chimney at Holly House a simple thief or something much more sinister? Inspector Frank Grasby finds himself heading the investigation. But who is friend and who is foe? The victim of some most unfortunate misunderstandings, Grasby needs to clear his name. But as is often the way with the unlucky detective, things most certainly don't go according to plan. 
As the village is cut off by snow, the local doctor's husband is found murdered, Grasby is on his own, but is everyone in Elderby lying? If he can't uncover the truth, the whole country will pay a dreadful price. But with a detective like Frank Grasby on the case, everything will be fine, won't it? I really enjoyed this book so much. It's written with humour as well. And yes, you've got the setting of 1952, but it's different to some of the other books. We sort of, you know, you've got a bit of a lot room, but it's not your average book. It, it rises itself above because of this sort of humour running through and the things that happen to the detective. I really enjoyed it. I will be reading more of Denzel's books as a result of this. I thought it was really good. It's about 360 pages and I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it was, yeah, it's sort of slightly tongue in cheek. You've got a policeman who's not entirely brilliant. I love the setting. I love the characters. Yes, great book. Really recommend. So there we go. There's the first one, Murder at Holly House. The next book, The Christmas Jigsaw Murders by Alexandra Benedict. Now, you will have heard me talk about these books a couple of weeks ago when it was the Christmas special with Lauren. And so, there, yes, there is some repeating here, but I've read the books now and can tell you what I thought. So The Christmas Jigsaw Murders, here's the blurb on this one. On the 19th of December, renowned puzzle setter, loner and Christmas sceptic Eddie O'Sullivan finds a hand-delivered present on her doorstep. Unwrapping it, she finds a jigsaw box and inside six jigsaw pieces. When fitted together, the pieces show part of a crime scene, blood-spattered black and white tiles and part of an outlined body. Included in the parcel is a message for... Maybe more people will be dead by midnight on Christmas Eve, unless you can put all the pieces together and stop me. It's signed, Rest in Pieces. Eddie contacts her nephew, D.I. Sean Brando Sullivan, and together they work to solve the clues. But when a man is found near death with a jigsaw piece in his hand, Sean fears that Eddie might be in danger and shuts her out of the investigation. As the body count rises, however, Eddie knows that only she has the knowledge to put together the killer's murderous puzzle. Only by fitting all the pieces together will Eddie be able to stop a killer and finally lay her past to rest. I really enjoyed this. I think Alexandra's Christmas books get better and better. And, you know, who doesn't love a jigsaw? I've got an advent, a jigsaw advent calendar as well. So I'm well on brand for this. But yes, that was excellent. And then Mistletoe Malice by Kathleen Farrell. This was the book I mentioned about with Lauren. I think actually it was Lauren that raised this one. I'd had it on my pile to talk about, but she mentioned it before I could. Uh, but it's great. It's been out of print for 70 years and come back in. And it's if you like your Christmas books more traditional but sharp, a sort of acerbic. I think this is for you. And listen to this blurb on this. The fire is on, sherry poured, claws are being sharpened. In a seaside cottage perched on a cliff, one family reunites for Christmas. While snow falls, a widowed matriarch tyrannically rules over her unruly brood. Her spinster niece tends to her whims, but dreams of eloping. And as more guests arrive, each bringing their secret truths and dreams, the Christmas tree explodes, a brawl erupts, an escape occurs, and their midwinter madness climaxes. 
Very, very good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was sort of precise, traditional, humorous in this sort of oh, uncomfortable way. Yeah, excellent. Very, very good. Thank goodness they bought it back into print. And then we go on to this joyful book, Make You Mine This Christmas, The Golden Rule of Fake Dating, Don't Fall for His Sister by Lizzie Huxley-Jones. And well, I'll tell you what the book's about, but we'll get the author to tell us as well. After the year from hell, Half is ready to blow off steam at a Christmas party and no strings attached kiss with a stranger under the mistletoe is just what she needs. But by the next day, rumours have spread. Everyone believes she and Christopher are madly in love and spending the festive season with his family in the English countryside. To save her new friend from embarrassment and with no better plans of her own, half agrees to go along with the ruse. Until she meets Kit, Christopher's mysterious, magnetic and utterly irresistible sister. I love this book. It had everything I wanted and needed from it. It was a joy from beginning to end. Absolutely bravo, bravo. And all we need to do is go and talk to the author now. Well, it is my huge pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Lizzie Huxley-Jones, author of the truly, well, it's just just a bundle of Christmas joy, this book. Make you mine this Christmas. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you on. We need to talk about this book, this glorious (laughs) book. Can you give listeners a bit of a summary of it? Yeah, so it's a Christmassy, hallmarky kind of chaotic romance that follows a bisexual girl called Hav whose life is just not going the way she hoped it was, who gets an offer to be this stranger's fake girlfriend for Christmas after their scene having the world's worst snog under the mistletoe. And she (laughs) agrees to it because she has nothing better going on. And on the way down, she has this incredible meet-cute in a bookshop with this woman. It It makes her feel something for the first time in years. And then the woman leaves the bookshop and she's, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be continues on her journey to her fake boyfriend's family home and when she gets there the the girl from the bookshop walks in because she is her fake boyfriend's sister and chaos ensues (laughs) (laughs) indeed it does (laughs) it's a very chaotic book (laughs) oh it's glorious hux i think i can call you hux is that is that right thank you anyone is welcome to call me Hux. (laughs) (laughs) how did you get the idea for this gem So basically, I knew I really wanted to start writing romances and my agent had hooked me up with the incredible editor B. Fitzgerald, who is an author of Greek myth YA rom-com retellings. They're so fun. And we just met and had this great chemistry that you don't, you know, when you as an author meet the right person for your books because you spark off each other. Mm. We both wanted something. And so the first thing we did was think about what tropes we liked. And the thing I like to do as a rom-com writer is to take a trope and that we all know and love. So in this one, it's fake dating and say, well, how can it be changed? Because fake dating is normally about uh, a couple who are pretending to be a partner and the tension comes from the fact that they actually find out along the way that they love each other. But that's not really what happens in Make You Man This Christmas. I mean, I think you can argue that they fall platonically in love, <laughs> which I, you know, I love. I love them both so much. 
But also there is this romance secondary to that that is complicated by the fake dating. So that, for me, how I approach romance is often to think about the structure of storytelling that we already have, things that are very common in heterosexual romances. So if you think about the Christmas films that we have, what could be taken from those and change? What What is something that people are latching onto in this film? How could it be different? And part of it did come from seeing... The Happiest Season, which I genuinely really love as the film, but I think it is also difficult for a lot of us to watch as queer people because of the traumatic coming out, no spoilers, but and like being in the closet and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I love that, but I also wonder what it would feel like for the queer community to have a Christmas romance film with all that chaos and silliness and tension, but without the maybe the harder bits as well because I think we deserve queer joy (laughs) and so that's sort of where it all started and was thinking about the types of people who might get into these terrible fake dating shenanigans disaster people (laughs) it was just a wonderful book to read and fresh and original and and that's what I loved as well I could see it as a film as I was reading it. Are there plans? Please tell me that there are plans for this. You never know. Uh, there's nothing that I can say for certain. Fingers crossed. But okay. like that, you know, you you truly never know. You know, I got into this to write books. <laughs> so okay. the idea of a film happening is just so beyond my own brain. But I'm glad that you felt that it was cinematic mm-hmm. because I kind of... It's a little bit purposeful. I always try and think of them when I'm writing books as films and to feel fast enough that it feels like it could be a film you're watching. But also I think that comes because I I write very, very visually. And mm-hmm. so when I'm drafting a scene, the night before, usually I'll be like having a little rest. I'm disabled, so I can't sit at the desk all day. It's just not physically possible. And so what I do is I imagine my little characters like little dollies on a fake theatre set and I'll I'll get them to play out the scene in my head and then I'll redraft it. I'll be like, oh, no, it needs to be slightly different. And so I'll run it through my head like a film over and over. And then the next day I'll sit down and I'll write it. And so I think that that sometimes comes through in the writing that you can get a sense of place and how people are relating to each other and also what the set looks like because I've just spent a while thinking about it. (laughs) But do you remember then how you've run it through in your mind? Because if I did that, I'd think, oh my goodness, that's brilliant and wake up the next morning and there wouldn't be any seeds of that scene left in my brain. Are you remembering it all? Yeah, like it's not always the night before. Sometimes it's like the morning or sometimes it's afterwards. But like I make a lot of notes And yeah, it does. I think once you've run it through your head so many times and you've visualised it, it kind of goes into a different bit of my memory. But it it really isn't foolproof. I told a lot of people about this. So I also write children's fiction, write romance fiction for adults, children's fantasy horror for children. And I was doing that for one one of the scenes in Vivi Conway 2 that was quite important because one of the major characters is a ghost dog. And I had to get rid of him for plot reasons for a bit, just to get him out off the page because he he usually knows too much <laughs> and I had worked it out and then I have a seizure disorder which temporarily wipes my memory quite often and I forgot where I put the dog because I did not make any notes <gasps> so 
everyone was like, did you remember where the dog is? And in the end, I made up something, but I will never know if that was the original solve that I had written. I think it is, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so writing so writing when you're very visually minded can have its problems if you also have a wonky memory. <laughs> so sometimes make a lot of notes. But- oh my goodness. I mean, I, I can't imagine how you sort of deal with it. It's writing an escape then and a sort of therapy in, in a way for you. Actually, I mean, it's really a job. I mean, I write stories, not necessarily to process myself, but I write stories to talk about some of my experience through characters. Sure, I think all of us do that as authors. But really, my motivation is that I want there to be romance stories with queer and disabled characters just seen as the object of affection. And so that's really the motivator there, is that I want to give people comforting moments you know it's a great honor of my life to get messages from people being like I read this when I was sick I read this when something bad was happening to me it was comforting because that really is the goal for me as an author I want people to feel comforted and to go on an adventure but to kind of know that it will be all right in the end I mean for my kids fiction I really put them through the ringer (laughs) they'll be fine by the very end Definitely not by the end of book one or book two, but maybe eventually. And so that really is the the focus for me. And through it, I do talk about some of the things I go through. You know, Hav is autistic, so the main character in Make You Mind is Christmas. And Kit, the love interest, has a disability I have called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which makes all your joints very loose. It affects every single tissue in your body. So there's lots of weird, very random symptoms, and it can be very painful. And so... I, I do use the characters to talk about those things, but I wouldn't say it necessarily processes anything for me. I think if anything, it's kind of nice to be able to be like, this is normal for me and now I'm going to make it normal for you. Does that make sense? Oh, like, absolutely. Mm. It's, I always find education of other people for me is like a really empowering thing. I find it quite empowering to be like, hey, you didn't know about this. It affects other people. Here's some cool stuff. Also, I've tricked you into being educated in the, through the medium of romance. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, stories can be such powerful tools for understanding the world. You know, they can't be the only tool, but they definitely are something in our toolkit. And so I, I do think of that as well when I'm writing, of what people will understand. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I mean, I don't, I love reading fiction books, yes, to escape, but also I do want to learn and just see different perspectives and appreciate different things. And that's a sort of a therapy and an escape in in a way for me as well. So yes, you're you're ticking all those boxes, Hux, for me, definitely. (laughs) But you are willing to read us a little bit from the beginning of the book, I believe. Yes, absolutely. So, chapter one, to have used the best things about Christmas in ascending order are all-you-can-eat mince pies, novelty jumpers, the fact you have the licence to be permanently too full and slightly pissed for the duration, and, most importantly, that there's no need to be a functioning person. Which is why, while on the phone to her parents, she stumbles over the words, what do you mean you're going home for Christmas? She hadn't even meant to ring them. The last few days of work had been so hectic she barely felt awake. 
She'd finally crawled out of bed sometime around lunch, which had been happening more and more, and flopped down on the couch to watch Gilmore Girls for the tenth time. The only sense of time passing had been Netflix kindly asking if she was still watching. Twice. It was only as the season was nearing its regular Christmas episode that Harvard thought she could do the tiniest bit of life admin and ask her parents what train she should book home next week. But in her half-asleep state, she'd hit the button to start a video call and her mum had answered in record timing, which had been, of course, completely typical because Hav was not looking the best version of herself. She's pretty sure that her mum recoiled when Hav appeared on screen. Deep, dark bags under her eyes, sallow skin and a hoodie barely hiding her dirty hair. Don't you remember, darling? I'm sure I told you. God, a functioning memory. Hav can't even remember ever having one of those. Oh, <laughs> Uh, if that doesn't make everyone immediately want to go and buy that book, I don't know what will. <laughs> I think it really sets the tone as to who Hav is as a person and where her life is. So if you want to go on a ride with a absolute disaster human, then <laughs> that's the book. <laughs> and I loved it. It just draws you right in. You know immediately what this book is about and the sort of the fun ride you're going to have along the journey. But I'm interested, what was the hardest word to write in it? Was it the first word or the, the, the one in the middle of the book or the final word? Which was the most challenging? The end was quite hard because I wanted it to, I knew how I wanted it to end. But wrapping up a Christmas romance, you kind of want everyone to get their flowers, everyone to get their moment. But also you want a satisfying final couple of lines. I did find that hard. I think the hardest bit for me was the what we call the third act breakup so in romance that's a common trope where things will be going well you're like oh they're gonna be together and then something will happen that will separate the couple and sometimes it's miscommunication sometimes it's change of circumstance or sometimes it's something you've known was coming the whole time and then they have to confront it but with this the third act breakup happens I won't say what happens but as a romance book it's very expected and I found that really hard to write because I I knew what I wanted to happen but I didn't want to put them through the ringer <laughs> which is really weird because with my children's fiction I really those poor children have gone through it they're fighting monsters they're dealing with emotional trauma they're like 12 13 they're really not having a good time whereas by this point in the book I, I was like oh I've put them through so much chaos you know she'd been in a duck pond she'd you know had a uh, you know all these tense romantic moments I kind of didn't want to put them through it too much my editor was like you've got to put some drama in you've got to give me the drama <laughs> and I did it and she was like there you, there you go you've got it <laughs> but it was kind of hard because I was like oh but they're happy now and it's now I, I have to disrupt it a bit. And I think what happens, this is hard to talk about this part of the book without spoiling anything. Mm. I think what happens feels understandable and natural for the progression of the story rather than a little bit of an arbitrary miscommunication. So I hope readers find that satisfying. But it was, it was tricky to write because I just wanted them to, I don't know, go, on, go to a coffee shop and have a nice date. <laughs> Yes, have a nice time. But as you say, you have to, to go through it. So if someone, well, not if, when someone has read and enjoyed Make Your Mind This Christmas and is really intrigued to hear about the children's books that we love mm. reading as well, which one should they go to, do you, would you say? 
So Vivi Conway and the Sword of Legend, that's the first book that is out already. The sequel is not out until May, and then the book after that will be out in April, the year after that. So that series has just kicked off in the same way Make You Mind This Christmas has, because there will be a sequel next year. It was supposed to come out this year, but we pushed it back so that all the formats of that book can come out at once. Because this book was digital first, so you had your audiobook, ebook last year, paperback this year. So, so yeah, I, that's the next thing I get to edit, which I'm really excited about because I usually don't edit them during Christmas. And I quite often don't write them around Christmas. Usually I'm done. So it's all I actually get to work on it with all my decorations up. So that's going to be quite a treat, I think. <laughs> but yeah, I can't say too much. It also doesn't have a title, or but it is written. So that's... I can I can promise it's coming. <laughs> oh well, there we go. News flash of yes, what's what's to come and what's already done. That's very exciting. <laughs> well, Hux, we come to the final question, which is the crucial one on this podcast. And it's about biscuits. What biscuit was powering the writing of Make You Mine this Christmas? Oh, that's a good question. So I have a little notebook where I make my own biscuits and then I write the recipe out. It's like recipes that I find from the internet, but once I've tried them, I'll write it into the biscuit book. And I think this must have been when I was making, there's a biscuit recipe, it's on the New York Times recipe website, but it is miso and peanut butter. And then it makes these cookies that are long and thin and you, you have to bash the tray when you're making them to get the air out of them. They kind of taste like cornflakes. And that sounds maybe not that crunchy nut cornflakes. They're really, really mm. good. So if any of you are bakers, I really recommend just search miso peanut butter cookie New York Times and the recipe should come up. But it's it's a go to in this house. So it will have been them. And did I hear you mention a biscuit book? I mean, this is... <laughs> The stuff of legends. Is, it, is oh, that really? It's just a notebook. <laughs> it's just my little notebook. But like, I, I love collecting recipes. I sign up to a lot of chefs' newsletters. And so I like to print them out, give them a go, and then save them together because otherwise I, I lose stuff. So just trying to put everything together. But I try and try and make something different every week if I can. At the moment, I'm going through Ruby Tando's first book, Crumb, and I'm making every biscuit from that and I always do biscuits because I feel like that there's the satisfaction because they take less time hmm. so it's like and then and then you've got a load of biscuits so <laughs> it's, it's be- I feel like it's better than a cake because it's oh yeah I've done a cake but I, I've also done 30 biscuits they just feel like more absolutely oh wow I just, this is winning. The book's winning. The biscuits are winning. Everything's winning. It's just been a joy to talk to you, Hux, and hear more about Make You Mind This Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And before I go on any further, I must confirm the name of the first in the series of the children's books that Lizzie Huxley-Jones has written, and it's called Vivi Conway and the Sword of Legend. And I am, I've already got a note of it, already about to order it because it sounds absolutely brilliant. And there's another one that's going to be published. It's just fantastic. But anyway, coming up, more book reviews. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So now we move to the non-Christmas books because there'll be some of you who are just saying, please, Philippa, no more. You have done Christmas so much this year that we just need something a little bit different. And a little bit different, I give you. The first book I'm going to review is The Future by Naomi Alderman. I've got a lot to say on this book and there's, the blurb is very long. Do I read you that? Well, I think I'm going to have to. When Martha Einkorn fled her father's isolated compound in Oregon, she never expected to find herself working for a powerful social media business person, hell-bent on controlling everything. Now she's surrounded by mega-rich companies designing private weather, predictive analytics and covert weaponry while spouting technological prophecy. Martha may have left a cult, but if the apocalyptic warnings in her father's fox and rabbit sermon once a parable to her are starting to come true, how much future is actually left? Across the world, in a mall in Singapore, Lizen, an internet-famous survivalist, flees from an assassin. She's cornered, desperate, and, worst of all, might die without ever knowing what's going on. Suddenly, a remarkable piece of software appears on her phone, telling her exactly how to escape. Who made it? What is it really for? And if those behind it can save her from danger, what do they want from her? And what else do they know about the future? 
Martha and Zen's worlds are about to collide. An explosive chain of events is set in motion. While a few billionaires assured of their own safety lead the world to destruction, Martha's relentless drive and Zen's insatiable curiosity could lead to something beautiful or the cataclysmic end of civilization. Now, what this book is not is your bog standard dystopian future with commentary on sort of social media. It is not an easy read. It's quite a technical book. It's quite confusing at times. It's hard to know where it's going. It's a book that makes you work for your reward, but rewarded you are because I thought it was brilliant. It made me think about some of the social media leaders that we have at this time. It had reveals that I wasn't expecting. I thought it was phenomenal. I did start the book and think, oh gosh, I can't read this. But I was like, no, Philip, come on, just sit down, just try it bit by bit by bit. Leave your phone in the other room. And that is what I'm having to do now. I think I've just got to do it all the time. Phone in other room, sit down and enjoy the book. I thought it was first rate. If you're looking for something that is easy, that you just, you know, uh, run through all the pages, then this might not be for you. But if you're looking for something that's more technical, but brilliant, then it absolutely is. I thought it was a great book. The next one, this is my, this is my nemesis. Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Okay, what do I say? I've loved the other books that Barbara has written that I have read. I haven't read that many of hers, but I've always loved them. I have read David Copperfield and love that. And this is a sort, it's not a retelling, but there are a lot of character names that are similar and maybe say someone is kind to David Copperfield, they might be kind in this book, or if they're nasty to David Copperfield, you might find them nasty to Demon Copperhead. Those are really the, the links. So you can read Demon Copperhead and not be troubled that you haven't read David Copperfield. We did this as a book club book. Let me read you the blurb. Demon's birth begins with him looking like a little blue prize fighter. For the life ahead of him, he would need all that fighting spirit, along with buckets of charm, a quick wit and some unexpected talents, legal and otherwise. In the southern Appalachian mountains of Virginia, poverty and addiction aren't ideas. They're as natural as the grass grows. For Demon, born on the wrong side of luck, the affection and safety he craves is as remote as the ocean he dreams of seeing one day. The wonder is in how far he's willing to travel to try and get there. So I even started putting tabs in this book. I did like it to begin with. I was like, wow, this is hard going, harrowing, but it's well written. It is well written. But for me, OK, first of all, I was in my bookish gloom of I can't get into books. I'm finding it hard. I'm under pressure to read books and I haven't got time to do it. So there was that. Whereas I read The Future just a few days ago when I had emerged out of that fog. So I don't think I gave it fair whack. And everyone else at Book Club that actually managed to finish the book thought it was one of the best things they've ever read. I just found it was so continually negative and depressing. Whereas David Copperfield, I loved 
So what does that say about me? What was going on? What was going on in the mind of Philippa? We don't even want to think about that, really, do we? So I know everyone's going to shout at me and say, oh, but we loved it. And great. I wish I had. But I was just I was in a bad place and this pushed me even more in a bad place. I just want light and love. And so I'm sorry it wasn't for me at this time. I'm sure in the future I'll read it and want to time travel back to just have a word with myself. But anyway, that's me. I'm honest. It wasn't for me right now. But what was filled with light and love and joy and wonder is the latest edition of Heartstopper, Heartstopper Volume 5 by Alice Osman. These graphic novels are a joy. Well, they're a joy. They're also heartbreaking at times because you care so much for Nick and Charlie. And, oh, you just you just want everything to be OK for them. And this book follows on. Funnily enough, it follows on from Volume 4. Who'd have thought that Volume 5 would do that? I don't want to give anything away. If you haven't read these then you really should because they are joyful. There's a Netflix series as well and they are joyful. But the books are just, oh, they're just wonderful to escape into and hear more about them. And certainly more happens in this particular volume. I'm not saying what, but it they're just, everyone needs to be reading these. These are lovely. They're just, oh, I can't say it. I, I would give spoilers away and I don't want to give any spoilers. But if you want characters that you care about and yes, if you've, have a go. If you haven't even read volume one of Heartstopper, watch a few episodes of the Netflix and I think you will just, the Netflix series are as perfect rendition of the graphic novels I think that you could hope for. But the trouble is once you've seen those characters on the screen, they're there on the book for you as well, I thought. Uh, Anyway, I just, it's lovely. It covers some very important subjects about them growing up, about what happens next. And I thought it was beautifully done. Just wonderful. That's Heartstopper, Volume 5, Alice Osman. So we've had Murder at Holly House by Denzel Myrick and poor Denzel was unwell and couldn't join us, but that shouldn't stop you from getting his book. Then we had The Christmas Jigsaw Murders by Alexandra Benedict and Alexandra was on one of my Christmas episodes last year, so do go back and have a listen to that. Also Mistletoe Malice by Kathleen Farrell. Then we had Lizzie Huxley-Jones come on and talk to us about Make You Mine This Christmas. Wonderful book. Then I also reviewed some books that aren't Christmassy. I reviewed The Future by Naomi Alderman, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver and Heartstopper Volume 5 by Alice Osman. Those are your books. I'm going to send you out in the world just to look after yourselves. I will be back at the beginning of February, I think the first Monday in February. I've already got books that I'm partway through that I can't wait to talk to you about. So my desk will be groaning under the weight of books. I just hope your Christmas is full of what you want it to be full of. And I hope that 2024 starts really well for you, that it's filled with books and biscuits, 
but also happy times. And just repeat what I said earlier. I think we all need to leave our phones in other rooms at times because they can be so all consuming. So that's one of my hopes for 2024. Phone away, Philippa. Phone away, books. Books not away. There we go on that riveting sentence that's going to be on hoodies and T-shirts from this day forth. I just, I'm just sending you my love, my thanks for your support throughout this year. You are very, very kind to me and to this podcast. And I will talk to you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 